You're listening to Average Joe Sports Talk Podcast with your boy E-Man. What up, everybody? This is your boy E-Man coming at you, episode 11. We got a hot one today, everybody. We actually are going to go ahead and discuss, of course, the um, Urban Meyer story, who just keeps changing and getting more weird and weird. But we're also going to start, we're actually going to start with the rookie quarterbacks. I am going to talk about Darnold, Rosen, Mayfield. These are my top three rookie quarterbacks. And we're going to, we're going to go ahead and discuss, see how much playing time you think they're going to get this year. Which which one are going to have? Which quarterback, which rookie QB out of Darnold, Rosen, and Mayfield are going to have the biggest impact? And of course, we're going to go over and wiggle headlines. So now that everybody has gotten paid, Baker Mayfield got 32 mil, $29.1 million signing bonus. This is a four-year contract, by the way. Sam Darnold got $30.5 million, $20 million signing bonuses. Rosen got $17 million. $11 million signing bonuses. That's guaranteed money, 21.9, 20, and 11. It's time to either put up or shut up. We've heard about the hype. We've heard about the controversies. And we've heard about which quarterback is better, who's ready, and so forth. Let's get on it. Let's talk about it. Let's see who, which rookie QB is going to have the, the, the highest impact, the most impact in the first year. I want to go ahead and start with Sam Darnold. This is what I think about Sam Darnold. Out of all three, Sam Darnold has the highest ceiling than any of the other QBs. Yes, he still needs more time to develop. He's more raw than Josh Rosen. Definitely, you know, may not have the same mechanics as uh, Baker Mayfield. But he still, he is the most physically and athletic ready for this NFL. Definitely needs more time to develop, no doubt about it. Has to work on his mechanics in order to become NFL ready. But to me, he has the highest ceiling, the most potential out of all three. The Jets definitely found their franchise QB for many years to come. Now you got... AJ McCarron, Wiley Vett, who is going to definitely take him probably under his wing because he's, 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 a, he's a pro's pro. And the Jets are doing the right thing to build a team around this kid. You know, they're, they're enforcing their offensive line. They got good wide young receivers working on their running game. So they're going to put the pieces together around Sam Darnold. He's going to be definitely the franchise quarterback. Depending on the Jets' record, because I think the Jets overdid themselves last year, definitely um, outplayed their expectations. That's why they wanted to trade so low in order to you know get Darnold. But I think depending on the record, if A.J. McCarron is playing well and the Jets are like 11-5, and five, I don't think Sam Darnold sees the field this year. But if the Jets are like mid-500 and it all depends on A.J.'s play, then we might see Darnold. I don't think he's ready. I think he needs a year behind a, a good quarterback like A.J. McCarron to learn from. You know, he still has a lot of things to do. He's definitely physically and athletic gifted. He, I mean, this guy makes plays like out of pure intuition. He has that intuition, though. He has that gut feeling, but he's not ready yet. Now, let's talk about our boy, Baker Mayfield. Well, my thoughts. Should have never been drafted number one. Definitely too small to play quarterback in the NFL. Not a fan of the 5'10s and the 5'11s. Yes, exceptions to the game. Drew Brees, Russell Wilson. But Mayfield is no Russell Wilson. I see more of a Johnny Manziel. Yes, he's been getting praised a lot by Hugh Jackson. Great interview with Colin Cowherd. Colin brought the heat to him. And you know what? I saw maturity there, which that's the biggest knock on him. He came back out strong. He came back strong at Colin with some great answers. But I still see a little bit of Manziel. You know, his history with running away from the cops drunk, you know, still is going to, it's always going to be there because this is the new age that stuff never leaves you. He's very confident and cocky, no doubt about it. And he has a chip on his shoulder to prove critics wrong. He wants to prove people like me wrong. He wants to prove people like Colin Cowherd wrong. And that's what I think it's given him a small chance to succeed in this league. Now, Hugh Jackson loves him throughout training camp. He's saying this guy can make the right, he's making the right throws. 
He's out there studying the game book. Him and Tyrod Taylor got this RV that's just for the quarterbacks and is, you know, there 24-7. All that good stuff. He's saying all the positive things about him. Tyrod Taylor was named the starting quarterback before even training camp started. So here we are. You give him all this money, $32 million. And you're saying all this positive things about Baker Mayfield. You don't have the confidence yet in him to lead your club. Now, number one pick. Should have never gone number one. He should have been like the actually third quarterback drafted. I think Jared Allen should have been number four in this particular draft. So what's gonna happen with Baker Mayfield? This team, if they don't if they don't start well, if they're 0 and 5, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield will be in the lineup. He'll be the starting quarterback because that market would not take it. You're gonna put him in to put people in the seats. His playing time, it's gonna be based on how bad the the Browns are. If they're really, really bad, they stick up the joint, they dumpster fire this baby. He'll be playing. He'll be playing in five games. I don't think that's going to happen. They put some good pieces in that team. They got great running game. They have a lot of these, you know, combination backs. Jarvis Landry is a great pickup. Thief has gotten better. They improve in their O-line. Tyrod Taylor is a quarterback that manages the game, does not take risk, and does not turn the ball over. So I think, yeah, I think Baker Mayfield may not see the field. Again, too small to play quarterback in the NFL. He's no Russell Wilson. Now, Josh Rosen. Josh, I was shocked Josh fell down to the number 10 pick. I honestly thought he was going to be the second or first, you know, I thought Sam Darnold would be the first quarterback chosen in this draft. I always thought Saquon Barkley was going to go number one. And I thought Josh was going to get picked number two, number two quarterback, and then Sam Darnold, and then, you know, make Baker or whatever, or, or you know, Jared Allen. This kid is, out of the three, the one that's NFL ready. He has an NFL arm, NFL mechanics, NFL brains, NFL confidence, which equals to be NFL ready. He's probably going to start more games than any of the rookies QB. And this is what I'm saying that, you know, you got Sam Bradford, who has been an injury prone career. By the way, Sam Bradford has earned more than $150 million in his career and has barely played, you know, right place at the right time. But I think Sam Bradford is going to get hurt. This kid's going to come in. That's going to be the only knock. I mean, that's going to be the only thing. The only knock I have on, on, on Josh Rosen is his concussion history. I think Josh has has too many concussions already this early on in his career, which might make his career not very long if he gets hurt. This is not college. This is not high school, man. When you get hit in the NFL, players are faster. There's a lot more chances of concussion than you did semi-pro. Should have been the number two quarterback pick or number one ahead of Allen and Mayfield. The kid has an IQ out of this world, very high IQ which makes him NFL ready again. Has this goofy looking to him, goofy look to himself, right? Very little expression, kind of like Eli Manning. He reminds me of Eli Manning. He's a goofy looking dude, which leads me to compare him to Eli. Now, Eli was NFL ready from the day on since he got drafted. I see the same kind of career path if he doesn't get hurt or had no concussions to do Eli. Don't let the goofy look, look fool you, fellas. This kid could play. Josh can play. And Eli hasn't had a bad career. Two Super Bowls, not too shabby. You know what? I think Josh can have the same career path and have the same numbers. So here you go, folks. I put Josh number one. I'm putting in uh, Sam Darnold number two here and Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's probably going to get the start earlier, but it all depends on what the team does. Now, let's see who's the real deal. Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, or Baker Mayfield. It's time to put up a shit up, fellas, and let's get busy. Let the NFL season begin. Moving on to the Urban Meyer story. Man, this thing is taking some real, real crazy turns. So as you all know, the school placed Urban Meyer on paid administrative leave Wednesday after the report surfaced alleging his prior knowledge about the long-term domestic abuse allegations against his former wide receiver coach, Zach Smith. There was text messages 
uh, that were obtained on an exclusive interview with uh, Brett Murphy. Other information that learned that Ohio State coach Urban Meyer knew in 2015 of the domestic abuses, allegations against a member of his coaching staff, which is uh, the wide receiver coach, um, Zach Smith. So Courtney Smith, the ex-wife of the fired um, wide receivers coach, Zach Smith, provided text messages between her and the wives of the Ohio State coaches, including Urban Meyer's wife, Shelly, you know, showing Meyer's knowledge of the situation. So the problem here is that all these text messages, all this proof, and then Urban Meyer denying it, saying he had no idea about that, was just the way, not the way to go, Urban. Come on, man. Who is who the, who the heck is this PR guy, right? Who's his lawyer? And it gets even worse because now Zach Smith is out there in an interview with Jeremy Shaft saying that, you know, back in 2015, he was in a, in a recruitment trip and he gets called in by the athletic director back about this whole issue that needed the, the you know, the pal is, pal is actually uh, bringing some stuff to the university about, you know, domestic abuse allegations about his wife and wife beating and all that good stuff. So, you know, Zach Smith is admitting that he told Myers about this, that when he came back, he, you know, he went out there, he went ahead and actually talked to the police, he shared his side of the story, blah, 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 blah. Then Urban Meyer pulled them aside and told them, hey, dude, what is this deal? What's going on here? Is this true? Zach Smith says, no, man, you know, I never touched her. I never hit her. You know, we had issues. We had altercations, but we never, I never hit her. I know how you feel about that. I'm not show up in this field. And Meyer said, then you know what? You'll be fired if that happens. So here it is, Smith admitting that Myers had knowledge of this. Even though knowledge didn't, even though Myers, Urban Myers denied it, he goes on a press conference, right, saying that during Big Ten week, he did not want to give information that was inaccurate. That's why he said he didn't, he wasn't aware, he wasn't knowledgeable about that. He didn't want to give the wrong information. I didn't want to be, I did not want to give inaccurate information. I want to get accurate information about all this. So it's like, whoa, things keep getting worse and worse and worse for Urban Meyer. Now, the athletic director knew about it. The question here, if Myers knew about it, right? And one thing is him not admitting it, even though he knew about it. But let's say, let's move on to the part that was reported to the athletic director, which according to Zach Smith, he knew because the call, because he was called on to come back from that recruitment trip in Virginia to meet, you know, to meet with the athletic director about this issue. So he knew about it. So I'm assuming there was a reporting, a reporting structure here that it was, um, that was actually, that they went actually with. There was some procedure here that was met. So, you know, part here that I don't get is why is Myers denying it? And if the athletic director knew about it, why wasn't this gentleman fired? I know it's up to the coach to fire him, but the athletic director has pool over everybody. Ohio State is a state university. Therefore, even though they are self-funded because, you know, they're an entity, but they're, they're, they're a state university and there's certain procedures about young kids that you deal, that you work with and people having records like this, like, you know, abuse, spousal abuse, altercations, stuff like that. There must, there's definitely a rule there that does not allow it. So, man, Urban Meyer dropped the ball on here. This is going to put a huge, huge career ending status on him. Because after this, who's going to hire him? Do you want Urban Meyer talking to your mother and father of an 18-year-old that he's trying to recruit? I don't think so. You're going to ask him, why do I want my kid to play for somebody like yourself who had knowledge of issues and did not act on it for the safety and the security of the team? Man, great coaching career. Urban Meyer has been a mentor to a lot of players. Right now, Tim Tebow is probably so disappointed in Myers that he's, he is on one knee right now praying, asking God for forgiveness on Myers' soul before he enters the pearly gates. And Thibaut is probably crying himself, you know, 
because he looks at Urban Meyer as a mentor. So it is a shame. I mean, Urban Meyer has a very, very uh, decorated career here with UF, you, you know, your University of Florida, Ohio State now. And I think there's more that's going to come out of this. So denial by Urban Meyer, even though he knew about it, we don't know. He probably did. And also now the athletic director knew about it. So there was definitely a reporting structure there. There was definitely a reporting procedure there. And of course, then he says that he knew about it, but he did not want to give out an accurate information. So now he's backtracking. Does not look good for Urban Meyer. I feel bad for Urban Meyer. He's going to get fired. I mean, he's put on a paid administrative leave. That means next you're fired. He's going to get fired. Not getting a dime out of this. And you know what? Fire the athletic director too. Uh, stuff, you know, S rolls downhill. So fire the athletic director as well. Because athletic director is over Myers. So therefore, boom, you could you could make that decision yourself. It's not just Myers here, man. Also the athletic director. All right. And Fuego headlines are next. Aperture Sports Talk and Fuego Headlines. So here we go with the Fuego Headlines. Let's kick it off with our boy Dwayne Wade offered a three-year, $25 million contract to play in China. So Wade has not received any offers from any NBA team so far. And I don't know what the Heat are going to do. I mean, come on, just give Wade a little bit of money so he could stay with Miami. But as of now, the only offer he has gotten is... A three-year, $25 million contract from the Xinjiang Golden Bulls, a team in the Chinese Basketball Association. I know Dwayne Wade also has like a career lifetime contract with uh, Nike China. So Dwayne Wade is a future Hall of Famer. He could be a 25 mil, man. You know, that's that's about, that's a eight and a half, 8.2 million a year. What he's going to get this year with Miami is probably going to be the, the veteran's minimum which is the uh, $2.5 million. So he's not going to get, that's a lot of more money. I don't know. At this point, what do you want to do? You want to retire in the NBA or you want to get some more money before you, you know, in your golden years and, you know, breeze through China and kind of like not play 100% and still, you know, average 21 a game or 25 a game playing in China. I don't know, Wade. Wade Dwayne Wade has some tough decisions to make. I don't know if his wife is going to like moving to China though, right? <laughs> Next, LeBron James opens public school in hometown Akron. Now, this is a really, this is a good feel story. Um, LeBron gets a lot of heat about the playoffs and, you know, all the other things and how vocal he is and stuff like that. But this is, you got to give credit where credit is due. The I Promise School started in conjunction with James Foundation and Akron Public Schools, open for 243rd and 4th grade students. This school will add grade levels each year academically and by the, by 2022 is expected to educate children in first through eighth grades. Now, this is great because, you know, this is in his home community. Um, you know, I know a lot of those, you know, he likes to be up in the public eye, but this is really good, man. He, he's, he's helping his community the best way that he can. And what's the best way to help your community, especially a community that's, you know, um, inner city, it's, it's the youth, you know, give the tools to the youth so they could be successful in, in life. So they could have a better life and, 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 and grow up better than their parents did because of circumstances that they couldn't, you know, couldn't help or didn't have the opportunity. So it's giving the youth an opportunity to be successful in life. And, you know, it's free tuition. He's offering free uniforms, free bicycle and helmet to go to school. That's insane. Um, free transportation within two miles, free breakfast, lunch, and snacks, food pantry for families, GEDs and job placement services for parents, and guaranteed tuition to the University of Akron for every student who graduates. That's insane. You cannot be more more out there and, and have a, this is a major contribution to a community, any community. And props to LeBron 
dude, I know I give you a hard time all year long, but this is this is next level. This is next level stuff, my friend. This is how you help the community. You know, not by just talking smack. You know, he a lot of this was, was out of his own money. Most of it was out of his own money. And this is what he's doing. This is great. More players, not just NBA, but professional players should do this more often. I know a lot of them do. Not a lot of them are as public as LeBron. But you know what? This is great, man. Great job, LeBron. Next. Oh, I'm really looking forward to this. But the NBA agrees to sports gambling partnership with MGM. What? Now this, Adam Silver gets it. I like Adam Silver because he gets it. He gets it. He's... He, he understands. He, he looks at the trends of the actual market. What's going on now? He doesn't live in the past like Goodell, like MLB baseball. He is looking to improve the game and change it along, along with the changing times. The other sports, all they do is they're afraid of change because it's the way it's been done for this many years. Forget about that. Your worst fear is the fear of change. And if you don't change... With the times, you stay behind with the times. And Adam Silver sees this right away. So the NBA is diving headfirst into the world of sports betting. MGM Resorts International Partnership in a partnership that will make MGM the NBA official gaming partner. Bro, get ready for the apps. The sportsbooks are already in Vegas. So that's huge. So it's a first major professional league in the United States. Adam Silver, and I quote, this is what he said. Our collaboration will result in the best possible gaming and entertainment experience for consumers through the use of accurate real-time NBA, WNBA data and our collective efforts to maintain and enhance the integrity of the game. They know that gambling makes makes everything more fun. Gambling makes things a little more interesting. And if it's going to become legal, why not? Why not? The NBA gets, is getting about $25 million right off the bat because of this partnership. And God, and God knows what other, other um, incentives they have in this contract. In regards to revenue sharing and stuff like that. But he gets it. He is jumping on the wagon for something that's coming up. Gambling was passed through Congress. Now every it's up to every state to go ahead and pass it through. Put it on the bill and people vote for it. I'm going to vote as soon as it's in Florida. I'm a big FanDuel guy. I want to bet on FanDuel. Not just fantasy. But I also want to do you know bets. Whether it's a dollar or not. It's just a process that makes the game more fun. More interesting. So Adam Silver. Kudos to you. I think I'm going to say it. Adam Silver gets Godfather status. Right up there Ben. Godfather status baby. He knows, he knows, he knows what time it is. He is, he is moving with the times. Let's see what else we got here. And of course, you know, Tristan Thompson punched Draymond Green at ESP's after party. So this is an after party that LeBron was hosting, right? And has everybody no cell phones. He didn't want any cell phones in there because he didn't want anything leaking out. You know, he just wanted it, NBA players, athletes, and anybody else he wanted in there. But he didn't want any nobody filming any of those stuff. So for weeks, there's been this rumor, you know, going around in NBA circles that a fight took place. At after parties at the ESPYs involving two well-known players. And Jason McIntyre of the Big Lead tweeted this the other day, right? And I quote, um, and quoting him actually, Draymond went up to apologize to Tristan for what happened after game four of the finals. Tristan Thompson said, nah, man. And Draymond tried again. Come on. I didn't mean it. And then bam, Tristan leveled him with a punch. Draymond did not go down. Draymond was not the aggressor. He was trying to make peace. So Tristan felt embarrassed by the end of the finals this moment and just unloaded on Draymond. A couple of players that um, that this guy spoke with in LA and social media went with about time. So, yo, I know everybody wants to punch Draymond, man, because, you know, he he's that annoying dude. 
But I, I don't know, man. This is this is I mean, this is crazy. Then you know, Draymond went up on on social media right after this this article came out that hey, man, that's BS. He never hit me. You know, we were just it was like face mushing. You know, and I didn't go down, and he never hit me. That's BS. You know, I was I was trying to apologize, but he never he never hit me, man. He never hit me. You know, so it's that kind of stuff. I haven't heard anything from Tristan yet. Here's one great uh, headline here, and I'm gonna close this. Out. I'm gonna close the show out with this. And you know, folks, I don't mix politics and sports. You're not going to see me do that. That's not what I do. My podcast is my podcast and I love sports, only sports and talking about sports. But I'm going to break the rule. This headline right here with this headline right here. You're going to know why. Former WWE star Glenn Jacobs, formerly known as Kane, wins the mayoral race in Tennessee. Can you believe that? Move over. Jesse the Body Ventura, I'm sorry. Move over, baby, because you have a new wrestler in politics, all right? Former WWE star known as Kane, Hellfire and Brimstone, baby, has won the race in Tennessee's third largest county. So I think it's, it's Knox County, Tennessee. Jacobs handily defeated Democrat Linda Haney with the most votes, according to uniform, unofficial re, um, returns. So Kane is going to be up in City Hall in Knox County, Tennessee, Doing this thing, baby. Watch out. I see a lot of choke slams. All right. I mean, he should probably come up with his own entrance music, right? When he's going to accept the actual um, inauguration. Um, Paul Barrow right now is rolling in his grave. But like, he probably would have been in his cabinet as his main advisor, you know, out there. You know, Paul Barrow, rest in peace. Maybe maybe he's going to give a job to um, to his uh, big brother, uh, Undertaker. Yeah, man. Him and the Taker, man. Kane and Taker, bro. Hell, fire, and brimstone. No way in hell. But according to sources, um, you know, Kane has been involved. And I'm going to keep calling him Kane. Forget about his real name, Glenn Jacobs. I only know him as Kane. Kane has been involved in politics for like the past 10 years. Really seriously, he's been, you know, sponsoring different uh, politicians and doing all this kind of stuff. When it all started, people were just chuckling behind him when he put up his nomination. And, and when he was doing his, you know, his campaigning and stuff like that, people didn't think that he was going to win. But he just shocked the world. So Kane, hell, fire, and brimstone is going to lead a local municipality in Tennessee. Can you believe that? America is the best country in the world, folks. When people like this, like Kane, wrestlers, I, I just love it, you know, can can actually use their platform to go ahead and join local politics, huh? <laughs> Unbelievable. So congratulations to Kane. WWE is in the house. WWE is back in the government again. Well, you know, Linda... Linda McMahon is actually the uh, the head of uh, Hub, so you know, she, I mean, maybe she'll be the designated survivor. I don't know, <laughs> but um, yo, shout out to Kane, congratulations! And that's about it, ladies and gentlemen. We are wrapping it up. Please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. See below under this episode for uh, our Twitter handle, our social media, Twitter and Facebook, uh, on iTunes. If you're listening on Podbeam, subscribe. And keep downloading. We want, I want to keep coming back and keep doing this. The downloads keep coming. I am going to keep uh, publishing episodes. Thank you for listening. This is Average Joe Sports Talk. Your boy E-Man. Peace. I'm out. Oh.